Um, I'm here with Peter, myself, David, and our guest for tonight, Kurt. We are on our 6th Avenue apartment here in New York City, and we're just really excited to get things rolling. Uh, Peter, do you want to introduce our guest for us? Yeah. We have our friend, our acquaintance, our guest, Kurt Lockhart, coming joining us. He is originally from Waco, Texas, went to the University of Virginia for undergrad, did a couple years of consulting at Deloitte in D.C., and most recently took a little hiatus from the first world, went down to Brazil um, as a Fulbright scholar and was teaching English down there. So he has, in the past few months, come back from his time in Brazil and is getting back into the first world, corporate America, and we're gonna kind of talk a little bit about what that adventure has been like, what that journey looks like. Yeah, so Kurt, do you wanna just get us started with uh, like, what were you, what was going through your mind while you were working at this great firm and then why did you decide to like give that up for for a season of life? Yeah, so what were you doing at Deloitte just briefly and then Sure. Yeah, so I I'd zoomed I feel like in a lot of ways I'd kind of zoomed through the traditional markers of success in life. I was mm-hmm. salutatorian in high school, went to you know, good college nice. and then got this, you know, dream consulting job a lot of people, you know, hungered for. So I initially, you know, I started at Deloitte and I definitely felt okay, what's the next step? What's the next yeah. benchmark of success that I need to hit? Yeah. Um, but I tried to put that on the back burner for a second and say, let me just do my first year at Deloitte and just give myself to this entirely, learn it, and then set it on the calendar. A year from now, I'll take a moment to reflect and kind of think back and think about my next step. So I have to do a lot of different projects at Deloitte. Um, one of the coolest ones is working on uh, policy analysis for the Centers for Disease Control. So that was uh, fun to do what I'd studied in school. Um, but and what did you major in? Public policy. Okay. Yeah. So this is right up your alley. Exactly. Yeah. Helping a government agency be more efficient and select the option that will be most effective in whatever arena they're in. Got it. Yeah. Um, so the year came up, though, and at that time I was working on a project at the Department of Veterans Affairs. I was in a windowless basement all day. <laughs> nice. And <laughs> I was definitely feeling the kind of drain of working at a large company that's trying to affect change in a very large organization that you really feel like you're a cog sometimes and you're not really making a lot of difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at that moment I decided just to apply to a lot of different fellowships and a lot of different opportunities and see what came back. Is this cool. is that kind of similar feedback to from what other first-year consultants were feeling as well, that they were just a cog in the wheel and they were feeling this similar kind of lack of maybe fulfillment or I don't know if that's the right word yeah I think it's it's a natural feeling a lot of people have who are in this highly successful track and they go to do something like consulting or banking is that mm-hmm. it's great and you're making great money you're living in a cool big city with other young people There's a lot of pros yeah. I think the common con most people feel is that when they you know are laying in bed at the end of the day and they're thinking back on what they do they can't really say definitively, oh, I did something that really helped right. make the world a better, more, you know, joyful or peaceful or just place. It, I don't know. Is it, like, necessary? Or is it kind of a lofty expectation to be able to go to bed every single night and say you did that? Or is that a realistic expectation? <laughs> oh, that's fair. I mean, the, the, what's the famous quote? The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation, right? Yeah. I think that's very um, true. Yeah. Is huh. that we, we are in a, a class, we're lucky enough to be in a class of people that gets to think about things like, oh, I want yeah. to be meaningful or make an impact. Most right. people are just, Yeah, the know, hierarchy of needs is, yeah. <laughs> I've all been met at the bottom. Oh, and my <laughs> gosh. Most people are just trying to put food on the table. Yeah, so. exactly. You know, you're, that's a good point. Some days you're, you're just going to be, all right, I did a lot of paperwork today. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That's natural in life. Right, right. That's a good point. 
So, uh... Talk to us about the time you spent in South America. So you were there as a Fulbright scholar, is that correct? Yes. So why don't you introduce that to maybe our listeners who aren't super familiar? Sure. So the program was after the after World War II and sort of the the beginning of the Cold War. Uh, there was this kind of global conflict between communism and sort of our American capitalism way of life, right? Mm-hmm. That played itself out in a lot of like specific wars, like Vietnam and and Korea, and Korea as well, but also in a lot of soft power ways. So one of them is in the 50s, the Senator William Fulbright decided to create this scholarship program to kind of send young Americans into the world to spread our ideals of capitalism and freedom and individual rights. America. Yeah, America, right? (laughs) And and also to bring some of the the, the top performers around the world to America, inculcate our values within them so that when they go back and become future prime ministers and presidents, they're very pro-America as well. Yeah. That's the oh, idea wow. of this program. So there was a uh, an, Amer- an American pol- political agenda there as well. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, I mean, and so that the, what the website will say is that it's also about, and it is about, you know, teaching English, helping, mm-hmm. uh, you know, spread good ideas of, you know, American English language to other countries as well, which is very true. Did they, what did your curriculum look like? Was it just go down there, learn the local language, and then go teach English? Or were they like, hey, we want you to teach them about American government, American society, pop culture, and just, you know, did did they kind of hint to you guys, like, hey, put on a good impression for the U.S. of A.? Or was it very much... That's okay. I think they want us to be honest, right? Um, so oh, I was officially, we were English teaching assistants through the Fulbright program, so we were assigned federal universities. And we were sort of just aides to teachers whenever they had pronunciation questions, questions about English, we could kind of step in. So mm-hmm. it was, and then on the side, we had conversation clubs where we talked about American culture, movies, film as well. Like an yeah. after-school program. Or exactly, something. yeah. Okay. And what country were you in? I don't know if we, did we say that? I was in Brazil, so a very small, I was in a very small town on the very south border near Uruguay. Got no it. And so... What do they speak? Which language do they speak there? What was your level of proficiency? Like, what is your level of proficiency now? <laughs> yes, yeah. so they speak Portuguese there, okay. which um, I spoke a little Spanish beforehand, yeah. so that helped me, but I do know Portuguese. Uh-huh. Um, some people say Portuguese sounds like a drunk person speaking Spanish. <laughs> Could be true, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did an immersion program for a month when I got there. Okay. Really got into it. I think now it's been a while, so I've lost some of it, but I think I got to like a pretty high intermediate level really? in the language after 10 months there. So Very you good. could be fairly conversational, but just maybe a real technical conversation would be a little little tough as well. Right, I wouldn't conjugate my verbs right always or yeah. things like that. So people still know you're not uh, yeah. you're oh, not no. and you're like six foot something and not, <laughs> not fair skin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so not just not, not just the language. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. What were the other Fulbright scholars, what were their backgrounds? Kind of what were their agendas? Did you share in that same like, hey, I want fulfillment in my life, in my career, or were they just like, dude, opportunity to travel and here we are. Yeah, no, that's kind of the, the irony of the program is that <laughs> the program was originally conceived as a sort of anti-communist program and pro-capitalist, <laughs> but the oh, most of the folks in the program are, are pretty far left uh, really? and sort of uh, on the socialist side, maybe. That's perhaps, really interesting. Uh, so it's ironic that a lot of them, and obviously given our current political environment, you know, most people in the program, I would say almost all are anti-Trump. And yeah, so, yeah. Obviously, it's kind of a, I'd say patriotism's a lot lower than it was, say, wow. 15 years ago after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Is that impacted the the program and kind of what the program is trying to do is, like, you know, put a good 
put a good word in for America and uh, the rest of the world? Has that kind of hindered the uh, the ability of the program? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think people are still applying for it. It's still, you know, prestigious mm-hmm. in some ways. So, uh, so, 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 sorry, maybe let me... What do you mean? But the, um, just how effective it is in those third world countries. So if you go to Brazil and you have all these yeah. Americans who more or less don't like the current government, are they just going to kind of talk talk shit about, like, you know, the U.S. government and stuff, and is that going to plant a bad seed in all these young Brazilians? Yeah, I think in general people don't believe you sometimes when you say things like, oh, you know, we ha- we still have, you know, homelessness in America. There are people in poverty uh, in America. They're like, nah, yeah. you guys are fine. Interesting. Yeah. Compared to and I'm sure it is relative. So well, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, if you talk about it systemically, it's like, no, you can't compare it to a country yeah, like yeah. Brazil, yeah. right? But it definitely still is a problem in the U.S., but yeah, it's just, it looks so much different. Right. So yeah. a, Maybe that's a good way to put it. It looks very different. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So you were down there with the as Fulbright Scholar for ten months. That's right. Okay. Um, and you had mentioned before that you know there's this like sense of um, you know that the work you were doing working in DC wasn't super fulfilling. Was that satisfied in you, or was that um, yeah was that feeling satisfied when you were doing this work down in Brazil? Was it like mm-hmm. I made I, this is what I came for? I got it. Like this is what I wanted. Yeah, I think the short answer is yes, that I felt much more satisfied. Like on a day-to-day level, I could say, hey, like for example, I helped one guy who was, um, his husband was an American, he was applying to become a citizen, and I helped him with his papers, yeah. and I helped him apply to that and translate stuff, and I was like, wow. At the end of the day, I helped make, potentially reunite a couple, mm-hmm. I don't know, or yeah. someone else was applying for a graduate program in, in Britain, and I could help them you know, with their video essay that they were recording. Right, So yeah. in that sense, it was much more, you know, particularly tangibly fulfilling. Yeah. Hmm. On, does that kind of hint that there maybe was not a side that was as fulfilling in the long run, or kind of big picture, or am I just... No, that that's up? right. I think I realized that I don't want to be a teacher as a profession. That's not something I really am passionate about. Really? Oh, had, had you, had you yeah. considered it, or was this like a trial run for My parents are both professors, so yeah. it's something that I've always loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, the part of teaching I love is the connecting the people. Yeah, I'm a pretty goofy, joyful person. I think I, I enjoy I enjoy trying to bring a little <laughs> bit to someone else. Right? Yeah, yeah. If I've done that, it makes it a good day. Yeah. Um, so that side of it, I liked. But so, yeah. what part of this made you realize that you didn't want to do kind of the teaching for your whole career? What aspect of it was not attractive to you, or kind of came to light that you hadn't thought about before? Yeah. Um, I think I just realized there's other things that are more interesting to me and that I think I could be more suited at, like things in the public policy realm. Mm-hmm. I think could be more, like helping change a law is kind of an amazing ability you have if you're yeah. in government. So that's sort of the direction I'm headed. Mm-hmm. Like as a teacher, you help people one-on-one, you're solving their particular <clears throat> problems, but like, say, this is an example, if you're a, if you're a mayor, you could help pass a bill that gets rid of uh, a, a box on application that prevents felons from working. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. okay, you've changed that law. You've made hundreds of people have a job opportunity. Right. That the right. scale, I think, is what's attractive to me. That is, but do you also sacrifice that, uh, like that intimacy you mentioned, that connection that you developed? Because and, and I don't yeah. know, I'm not a, I've never been a politician before, but like, <laughs> um, yeah, I can, I can only imagine you kind of sacrifice some of that, right? Unless you're out there, you know, 
shaking hands and kissing babies 24 7 yeah right which, which well, if that's the case if anybody know, could do it it'd be kurt oh, <laughs> like the person oh, like kiss hands and shake babies no worries who doesn't want to shake those hands oh, yeah. yeah um huh very cool yeah i've actually considered that too a little bit because i've done some volunteering through the firm i work with um and i love going in there and like teaching a class of 20 kids and but at the end of the day it's like dude if i did this every single day you know i'd teach you know and if i did a different class from every day i teach thousands of kids but you know like how can we like really leverage um our capacity to do something like on a huge macro level and it sounds like you know maybe getting into policy is an option yeah 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 and to your point david i think that's what politicians try to do is they try to bring that intimacy to people (laughs) and try to find this balance between making high level macro decisions that are going to impact a lot of people in a positive way but you have to do that through being very intimate that's why people and politicians go out on tour and they make speeches they shake the hands they kiss the babies and yeah. it's you know striking that balance between doing those two things but I, I don't know just the way I see it is that you we only each person only has so many so much capacity and so much time yeah. to spend with an individual it's you're never gonna again. get around to every to everybody and you know be able to to impact them in that really intimate way that you would like to say that you could. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same if you're a CEO or running a nonprofit. Yeah, that's true. It's the same idea is that, yes, you're making huge policy choices, but you also want to, you know, have a staff meeting once a week where you're connecting with, you know, everybody in the firm or the nonprofit. Yeah, maybe it's It's just a a human issue everyone deals with at every level and every sphere sphere of life. Yeah, Yeah. perhaps Are there certain CEOs or politicians that you admire and think do it well? Strike that balance well? Hmm. Or maybe just, you know, people, people in your professional yeah. life, maybe a, a professor or a mentor. I think my dad comes to mind. So he's on the board of a nonprofit in my hometown called Mission Waco. And he's also very involved with our Athletic Community College strategic planning stuff so he does that you know, high level helping organizations mm-hmm. think about the future but then he also is like he's there at every you know goofy you know any fundraiser anything the, he's the there really for yeah. life he's dressing up as Professor Lockhart in the full <laughs> Harry Potter outfit nice. uh, and connecting with people so he does a good balance of that very cool yeah. and that's awesome that it gets to be your dad someone very close you know I'm close <laughs> just a little bit just yeah, a little bit yeah um, so I'm interested, Kurt, a little bit about just, like, on a day-to-day lifestyle thing, you know, like, you lived in D.C., we live in New York now, you were in this, like, small town in southern Brazil, like, how is your day-to-day life different? I'm imagining it was just, like, a slower pace of life, but you know, fill in those, give us some color for what your daily life looked like. Yeah. Um, a lot of my day was spent roaming. Especially, yeah, I think roaming is the key what, word. What's your yeah. daily schedule? So how much free time do you have to roam every day? What's your daily yeah. schedule look like? I work 10 free. to 20 hours a week. So okay, I so pretty. Plenty of time to be flexible. Okay. I probably spent too much of that alone in my room, just like reading, or maybe it's a good thing, reading, learning about subjects I was interested in. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. that. But I tried to spend a lot of the time literally just roaming around the town, and I would okay. walk into 
random English. There was about seven or eight English schools in this town. Oh, really? Pri- like private English schools. Okay, so I'm. Yeah. I was thinking like a tiny hamlet with twelve houses. It was bigger than that. <laughs> no, no, it's not, not a hundred thousand people in the greater area. Okay, like fifty thousand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like Waco. About Waco size. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I would enjoy just walking. A lot of times I was the first American anyone's ever met. No way. Um, so it was really fun just to really? show up to the schools and. What was people's talk. reaction to seeing an American for the first time? Oh, crazy. I felt like a rock star off the time. <laughs> really? so, it people's homes. so it was positive. Oh, incredibly They were like, oh, Americano. Yes. Like, they were, how do they say Americano? Yeah, Americano. Oh, yeah, America. <laughs> Gringo, if they don't like it. Oh, <laughs> Gringo. But yeah, no, incredibly positive reaction. And people there are incredibly more welcoming to, to strangers, which is a great quality. Did you feel that you had to put on a projection or try to act in a specific manner that's like, hey, I'm an American, or mm. were there any kind of, you know, subliminal um, ways that you felt like you had to act or whatnot? Yeah, maybe subliminal. I tried to just be myself, yeah. but I, I think I fulfill a lot of the stereotypes people have. Like, oftentimes people think Americans are loud and love fast food, <laughs> and those are both <laughs> true. true. Yeah. Very true. I'm eating my McDonald's and, and talking, you know, at a high voice with a stranger <laughs> next to me always. So yeah, yeah. I fulfill uh, a lot of the stereotypes, I think, got it. unintentionally. Got it. But you didn't feel, like, a pressure, like, oh, man, I have to act like, you know, I had a good job in America or I was super smart or a lot of these maybe social pressures that we would feel here or maybe yeah. feel like we need to project to people who are outside. Yeah, maybe, I think I felt I could be more real even in Brazil. Really? Like, I think when I was at Deloitte, you guys might feel this way. You feel like you're always having to perform in some ways. Yeah. That you can't really be your true, goofy self sometimes at the workplace um, yeah. because, you know, the partner's watching or something like that. Yeah. But I, in Brazil, I really felt like I could just be very authentic and natural, which was very freeing, I think. But was that a product of the country you're in or the product of the season of life you were in and the work you were doing and... You know, like you weren't there in a professional capacity as much. True, right? If right. I had been like, working for Deloitte in Brazil, yeah, it would have been the same. Like, yeah, no, right. absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, okay, so kind of going back to my uh, earlier question about just like your lifestyle change. Um, what I was ca- trying to drive at potentially was like, are there things about that season, that year of life, that you really developed, uh, or? Were the habits you developed and things you did that you like that you'd like to take on with you throughout the rest of life? And are there things yeah. you noticed about your lifestyle as a young professional in DC that you don't want to pick up anymore? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you so, want to touch on a couple of those absolutely, things? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so one of the biggest realizations I had, I turned twenty five this while I was gone this year. Quarter century. Quarter century. Hey, quarter century. <laughs> cheers, cheers, cheers. Um, yeah. We, uh, so that's big. But one of the things I remember reading was that your brain is is very plastic when you're younger, right? Yeah. And they say that a lot of the plasticity sort of hardens when you turn 25. Right. Oh. So I was like, ooh, I better things I want to change about myself. I need to, Do it now. to get on it. You know, yeah. step on it. So two of the big goals I had for my time away were one, change my relationship with technology, and two, change my relationship with people. So the first one, it was with technology. I did a thing called Give Me 10, which I coined myself. Mm-hmm. The wow. idea of, of trying to spend 10 hours consecutively each day without a screen. Oh, wow. So sleeping counts, right? So you sleep eight hours. Yeah. You're done, but the hour on either end, uh, not have a screen. Okay. So that really helped. I felt I did a lot of little things with technology and mm-hmm. kind of weaning myself off that yeah. made me happier. 
And then in relation to people, I sort of wanted to be much more pro-chatting. So in the professional world, I didn't chat a lot, I think, with yeah. random strangers. Dude, it's hard yeah. in the professional well, world to be <laughs> chatty. Yeah, well, and that's just the nature. Like, we all work at, worked or worked at or working at similar firms, but it's like, yeah. dude, we're, people are there to make money, man. Mm-hmm. And, like, chatting don't equal money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. yeah. But, sorry, continue, continue. And chatting can be uncomfortable, right? Like... It can revolve into things like the weather or sports. Only when it's accounts. I don't really get it. <laughs> yeah, only when it's like boring people or like don't yeah. have any sauce in their life. I don't know. There's, uh, there's a phrase that I heard. I forget from whom, but so I'm not going to take credit. But the phrase is, every every person you met, you meet, knows something you don't know. Yeah. That's true. That's a true statement. So even if it's thing. the most boring account in the world, yeah. maybe you'll, you can like really take it as a challenge to ask yeah. them the right questions. Yeah. Like you guys try to do to bring out and solicit that yeah. key, really interesting thing you didn't know, or that beautiful thing about that person. Right, dude. I've actually found that like when I'm in conversation with someone, and particularly people I don't know well, um, I can talk about things with them for a long time, and then I'll like ask probing questions around, and I'll like just hit this spot on them that resonates yeah and you can just like see their eyes like, mm. slightly start to glow like and scratching a dog right where yeah, they and, yeah dude. and then you keep driving into it and you keep oh, going deeper right and then it's just like you see the fire growing mm. it's um, really incredible it's really really cool yeah because yeah. yeah i'm thinking about this conversation we had with um ron a couple years ago and he like crushed it in his professional career built a business sold it made a lo- bunch of money um and we were talking about this because, like, we're young, early in our careers. But then we started talking about the work he does now in a nonprofit, and that's like where we saw this excitement in him. Mm-hmm. And maybe in a similar way, what you're saying about everyone we meet, maybe try to find that sweet spot or like whatever that it is that makes that person excited about life. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, dude, I'm that I'm a huge proponent of that, man. <laughs> yeah. So going. And so those were two of your goals, the, the technology and better at probing it or asking or being chatty, right? Yeah, yeah. Weaning yourself off technology and being better at kind of small talk, if you will, with right. people. That, those were your two goals going into your year as a Fulbright. Is that... I think so. And the third was to sort of uh, take a breath from the tragically, like, hasty pace of, of life yeah. here and just get rid of the, I can tell that there was sort of stress and anxiety building up within me and to sort of you know unleash the pressure valve for a second and let those go down yeah. yeah 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 so how did you see and so two parts to this question one moving into your year being a Fulbright scholar how did you see your life change as you were very consciously pursuing these three goals mm-hmm on the way in, how did your life change and how were you impacted? And now that you're a couple months kind of coming out of it and the environment has changed again, how has your life and your lifestyle changed as the environment has changed? Have you seen anything really drastic? So kind of on the the entrance point and the exit point. Yeah, so on the entrance point, I didn't have these goals really. I just sort of went in, I, I, as I told you, I was quitting my job, I applied, I got this. And I just sort of in a whirlwind went and just didn't really have any goals. So these those three things sort of I think I can look back in retrospect and say that I accomplished those. Um, I remember even my over Christmas, my dad remarked, "He's like, Kurt, you seem a lot more peaceful than before." <laughs> I think it was a nice thing for him to say. I was like, oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
Huh. How about on the exit? Did you, and maybe, you know, it's still something that you're still processing. Yeah. So maybe it's not as conscious, but is there, has there been, because I, I can imagine being in Brazil and like being off your phone for 10 hours a day was probably easier than doing it here. Right. So maybe had that has that shifted anything in how you see the world or how it's impacted your mood or anything like that? Yeah, I think I'm a lot the I've been experiencing a lot more gratitude than I used to on the way back. Mm-hmm. So I've just been really like wake up. I wake up every morning. I'm like I'm still breathing. <laughs> I get to look outside and like, maybe that's a Beautiful. function of like the the freedom of unemployment that I'm enjoying. Well. <laughs> freedom of fun employment. Wow. Um, fun employment. And yeah, it's I've just been experiencing this incredible gratitude. Just saying thank you, thank you every morning to just to God to to being alive and getting to you know, yeah. take another breath and earth. Wow, hmm. very cool. And you think that's mostly attributable to this winning yourself off technology or being better at small talk or what What? Um, what do you think is most specifically attributed yeah. to? I think that it was also attributed to getting to see two things. First, thinking a lot more about history and the like grand expanse behind us and mm. potentially yeah. before us. And how like small we are, and just how amazing it is that that we're we're alive. Right. Yeah. And then secondly, it's the <laughs> the yeah oh yeah, oh, it's, it's amazing. We could go deep down the rabbit hole. The, yeah, history, yeah, the, you know, yawning before we get there, and and then secondly, just the beauty of seeing a lot of the wonders of the world. Like I got to go into the depths of the Amazon. I got to hike mm-hmm. around the driest desert, the Atacama Desert. Um, yeah. I got to hike in Patagonia. Just seeing so many beautiful natural wonders away from the concrete jungle that we are in now. It's, it's beautiful in a different way, right? Yeah, it's, it's a different kind different. of beautiful. Yeah. But seeing a lot of just amazing natural wonders of the world uh, gave me a lot of that, that gratitude. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Hmm. Shifting gears a little bit. Should, okay. So you... Well, well you maybe before we shift. So we talked earlier about um, what you had seen or experienced and I guess we are shifting pretty radically, but uh, between like the Catholic church, church and the evangelical, uh, I guess, Protestant church in Brazil specifically, did we want to touch on that a little bit? I think that'd be interesting to I don't hear firsthand. It, but yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe, Kurt, it sounds like you know probably best out of all three of us. Yeah, so give us, a, give us in our audience a little bit of a background on kind of what that What it's like, looking what like and what was, yeah, what you Because I, I don't sure. know. No, I'm not an expert, obviously, but it is fascinating looking back at the history, right, that we have kind of, you know, Spain and Portugal took over, you know, South America in 1500s, 1600s and Catholicized it, right? So the, the region is just is just deeply entrenched in Catholicism. Yeah. And then recently there's been a huge rise in really extreme evangelicalism, I'd say. So mm-hmm. it's a very, you know, almost Baptist kind of no drinking, yeah. no dancing. Baptist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very and all and like almost a televangelist dash yeah. in there too, with a yeah, lot of like, yeah. hey, whoever gives yeah. the most money to the church right now will go to heaven the fastest. So people oh, coming yeah. up with their car keys and dropping them in the in the offering no plate way. and saying, um, I got to go to a, a huge. There's a huge church um, chain that spread there called Bolo de Neve, which means snowball. I think it's nice. international. Okay. Um, and Not it's just a very um, the the founder had a vision of a snowball rolling down a mountain and getting bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and he thought it was from God telling him that his church <clears throat> will expand, you know, rapidly. Right. And just yeah, very intense Pentecostal experience. People dancing in the 
in the you know, the aisle of the church during yeah. service. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I think here in the States we have, you know, this sort of spectrum of everything from Catholic on one end through, you know, Presbyterian, Baptist, everything. Yeah. There it seems pretty bipolar. It's either you're this sort of cultural Catholic or you go, you are Catholic or you're, right. you know, evangelical. Or uh, Is there tension between the two factions? Or are they um, pretty cordial? I think the biggest tension is between the evangelicals and the non-Christians. Got it. That's the biggest tension. And you saw mm-hmm. that in the in the election last year with uh, Bolsonaro. Really? Is that Bolsonaro attracted a lot of the evangelical group on the right, hmm. and a lot of the folks on the left um, with the more socialist side were uh, atheist or, or anti-Christian even. And that um, president won, or the that candidate won. He did. He did. It was very similar to our 2016 election, where yeah. you know, at first everyone's like, "Oh no way! This this <laughs> wow. this joker can win!" <laughs> uh, you know, this per- and it, it happened. Wow! Wow! That's crazy. Very deja vu. So did you have any personal experiences where, um, like, you saw these, the deeply rooted Catholic Church and kind of, like, the newly sprouted evangelical movement? Um, And did you see any sort of interaction between those two movements or individuals from those two movements while you are there? Definitely when I went to the Bull of the Neve Church with evangelicalism. Um, The Catholicism, I think I just saw in, uh, you know, going to the beautiful old cathedrals. Yeah. It really is it, it crazy to think about the history, right? That this, yeah. you know, Ch- say for example, this Chilean woman in 2018 is looking at the statue of, of you know, an Israeli slash Palestinian woman that lived 2,000 years ago, and yeah. she's confessing her deepest fears and sins to right, us. Right. And she truly believes that this, you know, women woman who died in you know 50 AD is yeah. healing her. Yeah. Maybe she is. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, question. yeah. But it's it is the power of colonialism and religion and everything yeah, how it shaped yeah. it it really dawns on you when you're there really and it yeah. I've never been to South America but when where you were going was it very apparent the influence of Christianity and Catholic Christianity specifically on culture absolutely yeah. I'll give you an example in the language even <laughs> yeah. a lot of times people will say you know I, I hope to go um, to your party tomorrow if God wishes it. Si Deus quiser is what everyone yeah. says. Si Deus quiser means if God uh-huh. wishes it. And, and everybody will say that. Not yeah, it's, like it's not just Catholics. It's kind of in the really? in the lexicon. Just, really? So like, it's like it's salam alaikum. Yeah. It's, it's a greeting. Exactly. exactly. With you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I'll, I'll, I'll hope to come tomorrow. Si Deus quiser. Yeah. I remember one of, my, one of my friends I worked with didn't understand, didn't, we didn't know that our first week there, obviously. Uh-huh. And she was <clears throat> asking a potential landlord, can we meet tomorrow to, you know, go in the building? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, of course. Like, see, Deus Kizer. And I was like, not if Deus Kizer, if you Kizer. Yeah. Like, Are you going to be there tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And she Interesting. Was, it's, it's just a saying people use. So this may be overanalyzing that statement a little bit, but is that mean that there's a little bit of a deterministic and fatalistic mindset to these South American <clears throat> Catholics? Like... If God wills things that, because um, I've also heard, well, I don't know for sure how how accurate this is, but I've also heard in, in the Muslim faith too. There's also that sort of language where it's like, if God wills it, then this yeah. will happen, or because something happens, that means that was God's will. Right? Is there? We use it in the Deep South too. I think Lord yeah. willing, you know, that's, that's yeah. Common. I guess that's true. I guess yeah. that's true. Lord willing, yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe that's kind of saying the same thing, huh? But you, so yeah. maybe what I'm getting as that you didn't feel like there was a sense of like de, like everyone's lines were determined and lives were determined 
Um, and it's just like they really just had a lot there. of, you know, things were kind of out of their hand and like, well, so. Right. Yeah. I think um, people tend to think a lot more short term than I noticed. I think, mm-hmm. maybe this is a stereotype, but in America we often will be very, we're very optimistic, at least we were in the past. You know, yeah. oh, we go get it, American dream, make it in the future. Yeah. You know, think ahead and plan out my life and do it. In, uh, in Brazil, it seemed to be more common to sort of just, uh, you know, think ahead of the next week or two maybe and and yeah. be sort of cynical about, I mean, there's a lot of problems with crime and, and health care and things. Yeah. We have those too, obviously, but people tend to be, I think, I found more cynical there almost about really? the future. Towards but at the same time, more positive about their presence and thankful for their family That's such an interesting contrast. Yeah, because here yeah. in the States, it's, I think people really struggle to enjoy the moment. However, they're, you know, yeah. relatively better at planning future mm-hmm. things. But And I've noticed that, too, when I've traveled and specifically to Latin America, where people are just really jolly in the moment. If you're there sharing a meal with people right. and, 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 you know, sharing in fellowship and community, it's like, dude, nothing, nothing else matters. Um, but maybe then there's a lack of like, okay, well, how are we going to put together dinner tomorrow or something? So mm-hmm. that's a very yeah. interesting dichotomy uh, contrast there. Um, so you were working as a Fulbright scholar for 10 months mm-hmm. and then you did two months down there kind of just hanging out or? Right. We had a kind of vacation in the middle. Oh, okay. So okay. that's when I did my Amazon trip and yeah. saw a lot of the northern part of Brazil too. Okay. Because I was it. down in the south most of it. And is that when you went down and hiked a portion of the mountains in Patagonia? That was so afterwards. That was after? Yeah, that okay. was in December. I went okay. down to Chile and Argentina. Very, very yeah. cool. Very cool. Um. Tell us a little bit about this correspondence you had with yeah. uh, with an American, a young American lady. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. um, yeah. I think I think our listeners would be interested to hear. <laughs> so, so my love life is you know a comedy of tragedies, a tragedy of comedies. Dude, thanks for being so transparent. With oh us, no, no. I, I think uh, it's as you guys know, this is a time your early twenties, uh, interesting time, as you've got a lot of friends getting married and starting to settle down. Well, and, and if you, if you are from Texas or go to school in Texas. Yeah. That's yes. happening. Yes. If you're from the coast, it's like, who's getting married? Nobody, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think I've been enjoying kind of, you know, seeing what's out there and dating <laughs> different people and things. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I had a really, and am having a really interesting experience. Uh, a girl who I didn't know very well, um, we started talking and you know, we shared interest in poetry and various things hit it off. Such a romantic. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I try. I do. I honestly do love poetry. I think it's beautiful <laughs> and I love memorizing poems. Really? I recommend it to everyone. Hmm. It's a very good exercise for the brain. The ladies love it too? And the ladies love it. Yeah, <laughs> the, ladies love it. <laughs> the ladies love it. Do you ever do any French poetry? Do you ever do any foreign language poetry? That would be interesting. Oh, that's, that that's next be, level. Yeah, that could be a game changer. <laughs> that's next level. No, maybe. Anyway, we hit it off. We'll have to swap stories offline. So yeah, yeah. You know, swap poems. Anyway, we, we hit it off and you know, ended up. Uh, she kind of reached out to me a week uh, after we had chatted and was like, "Hey, do you want to?" Uh, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but there's this um, New York Times sort of article about 36 questions that lead to love that, you know, these questions get progressively more intimate and they're supposed to, you know, really lead you to a deep understanding of another person. So without any expectations of like where this may lead, but just like you're an interesting person, I'd like to get to know you better. And and these like questions yeah. these questions from the New York Times in the article is like is meant to they're meant to be answered in a romantic setting. It's not like 
you take like a a friend where you're just like, hey, you want to answer these questions to become better friends? I think, is, well, is it very well, specifically like supposed I, to be romanticized? I think the idea is that you could you could do it with anyone. Oh, okay, and you would lead to love. love. Yeah. So oh, Peter, oh, okay. Peter, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> time for I mean, time time questions. questions. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so but the end goal is a romantic relationship or lead you love. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that. That is a goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say so. Okay. Yeah, but I, I think we are, we approached it, and the way she introduced it to me was like, let's just we you know had it, we we hit it off. We seem to like have similar interests. Let's yeah. like do this as a fun way, just of getting to know someone. A and then B as um, sh- she was very into journaling, but felt that it was very kind of what's the point? I'm just writing to myself. Yeah. So it was, yeah, let's you mentioned see the word a, circular, right? Circular, just... exactly. I'm just kind of whipping up these thoughts and putting them down, and no one's reading it. Interesting. Which and can be good, but she wanted to expand it and make it a two-way journal. Sort of. What was your initial reaction when this girl, who, you know, you did it off with and talked <laughs> right. to her, and she's like, hey, do you want to, like, pretty much potentially fall in love with me, you know, after <laughs> yeah. What What does that do for a man's psyche? <laughs> she, she framed it well. I think if she had just been like, let's fall in love. She framed it well, and I was like, this is it. I was for, my first reaction was impressed. You know what a, I'm. Okay. I think most people are attracted to initiative. Yeah, people yeah. Who, and yeah. Assertiveness, and assertiveness, and like wow, that's that's intriguing opportunity. And I knew I was going to be away from the country for years. So I was like, oh, what a great way to a kind of like talk about what I'm doing with someone yeah, and yeah. journal in a way, and then b just to get to know someone else better that seems interesting to me so how many letters do you think corresponded over that year period and and she knew you were going to be gone for the next year yes okay yes. she was in like that was kind of part of the uh, right so I don't know if anyone's ever done these 36 questions through letter we might be yeah. the first Dude, people to you do should this. send them to the New York Times man. Yeah. would they print them yeah but have a story about you man be like yeah we did this we've done yeah. those questions yeah but yeah. give us a sense was this so every week every couple weeks or the frequency varied the cadence yeah. was kind of like you know yeah, yeah. whenever you get a chance right back and I think okay. both of us both of us sort of approached it as a almost sacred thing just really? in some ways just like okay I'm not you gonna half-ass this so yeah. I Right. Like, when I get the yeah, chance, I'm awesome. going to sit down and do this. So we've been through 24 questions, I think. So mm-hmm. we've got about 12, two-thirds of the way done. Can you way. give us um, a sense of what some of the questions are? Because I've never read them before. I don't know. Are, are they like, what's your favorite pizza? Or is it like... It gets hey, progressively and progressively more intimate. Yeah, so like, yeah. maybe, I don't know, just in like a very high-level summary. What is question one? What is What would that sound like? What would question, you know, 24 sound like? And then... Yeah. Um, or maybe 12, 24, 36. Like, the, kinda... the exciting part for me is that I didn't know, I've never read any of the questions before. Really? So every oh, time she sends you one, I'm like, ooh, what an interesting <laughs> question. Oh, wow. So we completely. I could go online and read them, but I don't want to. Yeah, so you called just for you and deferred yeah. them until she sent them. So I and she sent them with her answer. Exactly. Yeah. So they go everything from like, you know, what are the qualities you're looking for in a friend? Okay. So that's like question nice. one. Yeah, maybe that was three, four, five. Okay. Um, it's not like a very exact linear, more and more. Yeah, like, but okay. The first sort of third is yeah. things like that. Yeah. And then this second third we've been doing has been things like, you know, how do you feel your, I think there was one something, how do you feel your parents' relationship has impacted the way you, you view relationships? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a really, a really good one. Got it. And have you found, because she answers this question, then you answer this question, mm-hmm. do you have similar answers, very different answers? And mm. what do you think about this woman, depending on the the similarity or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, since she goes first, it's like, yeah, 
uh, I don't want to copy what she said. No. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, exactly what she said. And, and to that point, when you receive the letter from her, you read the question first, and before you think about your answer, are you reading her answer? Yeah. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like for me that potentially would steer me in a direction, right? I would. Right. I I would. My initial thought would be like read the question, and think about my own answer, and really put time into it, and then read hers and see. It's so exciting to read hers. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I've never done this before. Yeah. So. Uh, There's such a joy to that of like I you know every time it would show up in my inbox I would just be thrilled. It's it's a joy to that. That we lose when we're just texting people all day. Yeah. yeah it's a very nice thing. So, going back... Sorry, mm-hmm. going back mm-hmm. to my question. Yeah. Did did you guys find a lot of similarity in your answers or difference or... Yeah, I think I think most more similarities than differences. Really? Yeah, which is a good Is thing. that surprising? It's surprising to you? Um, I didn't know her very well, so I had yeah. no idea what to expect. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good Surprisingly answer. similar. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And, I mean... It, it's just like... I'm wondering, like, what your thoughts of this woman was, like, as you got to know her via, like, letter writing, you know, over mm-hmm. a whole year. Because did you see her at all? No, never no. saw each other in person. Yeah. <laughs> For a full year? Yeah. Right, uh, eight, right eight, back in seven or eight months. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. I mean, obviously the answer to this question is going to be yes, but, like, you felt like you know her better, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After we saw each other in person, it was crazy how much more, you know... <laughs> Deeply, we've, I, we we connected. It, w- yeah. Was it comfortable? Like it wasn't awkward, kind of just like. I, I think we both felt nervous, obviously, because really? imagine. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You've been only communicating with this person in very carefully rehearsed yeah. answers, yeah. and then when you speed to the intimacy of you know getting a cup of coffee and just saying you know shooting the shit <laughs> about something, it's it's jar- it's a jarring sort of change of speed. Yeah, and you yeah. feel more self conscious about your responses because you're used to crafting them. Generally, it's the other way, right? Where, like, the small talk is super easy and then diving right. deepest talk. But for you guys, you're saying the reverse, where it's, like, you know, very, in- or very, um, a kind of, I guess, like, intelligent conversation or thoughtful conversation is, like, more mm-hmm. normal for you. And then the small talk is perhaps... You've never done that before, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, no. to, to yeah. that. Is that what we're hearing? Right, it felt almost sacrilegious to like say something at <laughs> all. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Thoughtful, yeah. Like, wow. Oh, look at the weather. Yeah, wow. Well, really... Pretty cold today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, dude, that is wild sauce, man. Mm. That's wild sauce. Have you asked her about any kind of these questions? Like, hey, obviously, like you're getting to know her through the questions, but mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, what was like on your perspective? Um, you know writing these to somebody who you know is in a foreign country and like you don't even know were there any kind of similar things that you guys shared in similar emotions that you shared in yeah I think we we both were very just transparent in our letters about like oh this is very different and weird and like so you I'm can nervous. honestly say that like I was like yeah. pretty open oh yes yeah I, at least I was I think she was too wow but it was just sort of like hey we're both in this place in our lives where we're sort of Un- unmoored maybe would be the word I'd use mm-hmm. was sort of she was working a job uh, and I, living alone I was working a job living alone and uh, it was just fun to connect with someone even in a way that wasn't physical at all that just kind of threw, threw the words on the page yeah did you feel like your writing and got better and you became better at becoming expressive in your writing yes absolutely I mean I can only imagine yeah after yeah. writing it was yeah instead of you're, you get more used to kind of 
crafting things eloquently um, that you're feeling. Yeah. Which is a really nice, and but without trying to overdress it up. That's the key, is because you don't want to shoot off a letter that's just like, you know, basic and unrehearsed, but then you also yeah. don't want to craft a letter that's overly glossy and flowery that feels fake. Right. So right. finding that writing style that was mm-hmm. earnest and genuine, but also uh, thoughtful and reflective was, was fun, and I think I, we both hit a groove with that. Yeah. Do you think if you had read, like, or if you go back and reread your first few letters, mm. first, like, the most recent three, there would be a major difference in stylistically? And and a more advanced level? I don't think so. No. I mean, maybe, but I think it was pretty, 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 pretty along the way, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. What do you think? I recommend everyone doing it. Dude, find I want to find who you just like some dude. girl be like, yeah, you be. I mean, oh, I think I think a girl would would love that. I think it's very romantic. It is, well, but like, like I first date, but yeah, yeah. definitely maybe not a first. Yeah. But dude, like, I think it would be really special though to do it with someone that like you guys did, where you don't physically see them. Yeah. For, you know, Next time you run into someone who's a traveling travels for work or is going to yeah. go on somewhere, just suggest it. I yeah. Recommend. And to anyone who's listening, I recommend that as well. That would be insane. Dude, that's a, that's a bull in here. That's a certain. What do you have to lose? Yeah, I mean, you yeah. definitely don't. And I'm all, the older I get, the more I'm like, dude, just swing the bat, man. Like, right. What, yeah. Why not? Um, what do you think, and we may have kind of hit on this a little bit, but maybe just to be a little more um, intentional about the question, but what do you think that you have taken away from it most on a personal level this process and and so you do plan on finishing it with her yes definitely (laughs) yeah yeah so so far you're about a little more than halfway right you're at right 25 yeah um what do you think that you've kind of taken away on a personal level from this exercise i think i've reflected more deeply on the things in my life that have been important so a lot of the questions have to do with your past so far Mm -hmm. more than Mm -hmm. the future Maybe the last third will be in your future, but yeah. like one of the, I think the very first question actually was if you could. It's a kind of a classic one, but if you could get dinner with anyone who's who's passed away, specifically yeah. dead, who who would you get dinner with? Right. And I thought about uh, my great grandfather and all the stories I've heard in my family about him. Mm-hmm. But it just made me reflect on my family, my past, what what I've accomplished, what I've learned in twenty five years, and yeah. that was really good to do in a systematic way. I'm sure that spirit of gratitude, which you noted earlier, at least partially stems from this exercise, maybe. Yeah? yeah and, you know, kind of all this reflection and, I don't know, maybe you're looking back and saying, hey, there are a lot of things I'm super grateful for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I want to keep living and I would love to, there's so many things I still want to do in life. You know, yeah. I have a bucket list. I want to get married, have kids. But yeah. looking back, like if some awful thing happened and I got in a car wreck tomorrow, you know, not not doesn't happen yeah. but I I don't feel like I could you know I, and I'm in front of the pearly gates I could I wouldn't be right. like oh man god like, yeah, yeah. like no I've, I've been so <laughs> yeah, lucky it's like, 25. it was a short 25 I've seen the world yeah. I've yeah. Fell in, fallen in love I've, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've formed I've laughed I've cried I've, I've been really blessed to have a pack 25 years so yeah wow. I hope to have more but wow yeah that's a really cool exercise I look forward to the day that I do do that um, you will. On, yeah, I definitely yeah. want to make that like a point to to try to do that at some point. What has been other people's reactions when they hear this? Are they like, dude, that's so freaking weird? Or are they like, that's badass? What's what? What are the people saying? 
I haven't told many people about it. Honestly. Oh really? Yeah, this is the first time I've really discussed it in a public um, forum. <laughs> um, because it, I don't want it to. Yeah, I don't want it to be like a public thing. That's yeah, like, it, it is a little on, more on my Instagram. You know, letter twenty three. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's almost like a. Uh, it's almost like a, for people whose faith I admire, often most of those who's very quiet faith. That it's yeah. like yeah. they're not always talking about oh me yeah, you know Jesus or things, but like yeah, people I mean, who have Jesus a really quiet time today. You can tell they have a very deep personal life and a faith, mm. and that is beautiful. In the same way, I feel like this is more beautiful because it's more personal, intimate. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Was it electronic correspondence? Mm-hmm. It was. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely save those, man. Absolutely, you can write yeah. your memoir or just <laughs> yeah, reflect or something. No, no, no. Yeah, but at the same time, I think the other danger is get too into navel gazing. That's in, our, into what navel gazing? <laughs> just uh, checking yourself being, yeah. being like yeah. uh, really, really narcissistic, sort of. Yeah. Or just overly, I think our millennial generation and this is stereotype about us. We're very individualistic and always oh, me, 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 and thinking about ourselves. Yeah. So, yes, the exercise is good, and it's good to journal and get your own thoughts down, but get your head up and, and dive into other pe- yeah. you know, people. Go see the world, right? Yeah. Huh. Uh, it'll be interesting, too, I'm sure, you know, after this conversation, we have a couple of days and you think about it. Because if it is the first time, at least for me, I'm an external processor, and, you know, if I speak about something out loud, a couple of days later, I'll take something away from it and be like, wow, that, like, I never kind of thought that through and I'm sure you know you're speaking about it you know with two people who you're not making this correspondence yeah. with may bring up things that you're like wow I never thought about that before mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that'll be interesting in a, in a few days when you're just thinking about it on your own or when you come up with the next letter right it also inspired me to do a lot of personal writing too so I've been mm-hmm. writing a lot of poetry and songs and short stories too do you write music to the songs as well or just lyrics um, both, yeah, music and lyrics, absolutely. What do you play? I play piano. Nice. I sing. Tremendous so. piano player. Oh, uh, no, yeah. tremendous. More yeah. than any, well, one of my favorite stories is my first year of college at UVA was Halloween, and I'm walking around with my friend Scott Davidson. Hot uh, Scott. Hot Scott, yes. Hope you're listening. Hot Scott, <laughs> shout Hot out Scott. to you. Shout out. Um, and we're, we're kind of on our way back from uh, different parties. You see this man in a Thomas the Tank Engine outfit just like stumble out from behind a tree and run up to us and goes, "Are you guys first years like, freshmen?" And we're like, "Yeah, yeah, we are, we are." He's like, "Come with me." And we're like, "Okay." <laughs> uh, what did he listen? He takes us to the lawn, which is like the main area of UVA. He's lawn, West Lawn. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he and this is the area that like the prestigious fourth years live in, the seniors, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So we were like, "Ooh, we thought we were very cool to be in there." Yeah. And he takes us into this lawn room that maybe three or four people are in. And, uh, you know, they give us a drink and they say, oh, you guys, you know, welcome, hope you're having a great time. And there's a piano in there, and I've been emboldened by this drink, and so I just <laughs> start. Water. I just, I just, <laughs> yeah, water. water. And I start playing Hey Ya, because I, oh, hey, yeah. I love to play Hey Ya on the piano, yeah. and I just start belting it out, you know. My baby don't mess That's around. So and just because I love that song. It's a special <laughs> song. Love that song. And, you know, people start poking their head in. Uh, other people start coming in, dancing, <laughs> singing with me, and you know we I think thirty or forty people were in the room uh, singing together. So yeah, just yeah. that beautiful power of you know a piano and music to bring people together is yeah. makes me happy. It really yeah. is a beautiful force, Dude. man. Yeah, you just need to learn one good song. Right? <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah. Find your hey ya. <laughs> find find your Dude, hey-ya. wagon wheel. I think is what oh, I oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, too. just a simple, simple chords strumming away, and everyone, everyone knows at least the chorus. <laughs> right. And yeah, 
the best is when people aren't good at singing, but they still are like confident enough to sing, and they're just having so much fun that they don't care, yeah, and they they're just singing anyways. They yeah. just need the first follower, right? You yeah. said this theory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. How to start a movement. There's a there's a TED Talk. Have you seen it? Exactly, it's yes. It's so good. Yeah. Yes. You just need, one, like, a core group, right? You need a starter and then a core group of people. I you was playing Hey Ah, and the, the guy in the Thomas Tank Engine outfit was singing. Right, <laughs> yep. And next thing, and that was my first follower. Bib and ma- critical mass comes. <laughs> and, yeah, dude, dude. Just hitting that critical mass. That's where you need to get. Yeah, dude. Should we discuss the four S's? What Kurt? I think Kurt would have a lot of, a lot of say, um, a lot of good input mm-hmm. on the four S's. I don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah. We could we could Let's dive see. into it a little bit. Pete, do you want to introduce them? Yeah. So the four S's. Um, let me jog my memory here. It's been a while. Well, since I'll we've chatted about it. I'll, I'll, I'll start. start on the tip of your tongue. Go go for it. Yeah. So the four S's is a kind of a personality framework developed by Bellingham, Bellingham and Furman oh. um, back in like the fall of 2016. So, the back of the yellow cab. Yeah, uh, in the back <laughs> right, of the yellow right cab here in New York. in the concrete jungle. Ooh. Yeah, right here in New York City. But essentially what it is, it's, it's a um, set of character traits that describes a person at a specific in a specific context of time. And the beauty about the four S's is, <clears throat> is that people aren't stuck to like a single S Um, all the time and also something that I think it's interesting about it too is like people generally don't describe themselves and say like I am this thing or I'm this thing I'm that S I'm this yeah because it's more about the energy you're projecting to other people Mm -hmm. so you know um Kurt and I would say Peter is being this S at this time. Hmm. So, yeah, and it's a lot different, you know, than, than the Enneagram or the Myers Briggs where you say, like, I am this way, I am that I'm way. A three, I'm a yeah. three, yeah. you're set for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this and, is very... and maybe I'll back off a bunch too and just say, like, we are not at all this serious. <laughs> no, <laughs> the four S's as the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah, no, this is like totally you for fun. Yeah, and it's just from your PhD at the University of Phoenix online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Western A&M state. There you go. Right. Whatever. Right. Um, but with that context, Peter, do you want to introduce the four S's? Yeah. So when we initially came up with the four S's, we kind of imagined a linear line, just a straight line going from left to right. And on the far left were your salty people, right? And then to the right of that are your... Um, saucy people is that right Uh, I never envisioned a line per se because I always felt like there was values in all four spheres and I felt like with the line there's a certain level of like worse better better best well because remember we like started talking about as a line and then we made the change to like the the horseshoe horseshoe. yeah because so but if so the way I envisioned it anyways you had your salty people on the left then to the right of it um, were your sweet people, mm-hmm. and then to the right of that are your saucy people, mm-hmm. and then to the far right are the spicy people. And again, like David said, this is not a you know better best kind of progression. Um, this is just from left to right, and then we'll kind of explain the horseshoe shape that text effect later on. But your salty people, that's just your your typical stick in the mud kind of guy. He's just not giving off good energy. Mm-hmm. Bars in a room, everyone's having a good time at the party, da da da, and the salty bro is just like, <laughs> hey, change the song, change the song, like, yeah, this beer's warm, like whatever. Just, yeah, no one wants to be around there. Yeah, your sweet people. That's one one more over to the right. Mm-hmm. This is your typical sorority girl. 
Um, <laughs> this is this is the best way to say it. You know, she's really nice, always smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, when she gets mad, it's very much a passive-aggressive kind of thing. She's mm-hmm. leaving sticky notes left and right. For those of you who, who went to Baylor University, this is your sweet <laughs> Baylor Kyle. Okay. Sweet Baylor Kyle would never hurt her to fly. Just, right. You know... Just it's very, we, very nice. Very nice. And that's like, it. Great. Okay. Yeah, and just... Yeah, that's... that's very kinda, passive. Very okay. passive. Passively nice. Um, that's... Because that's all she knows how to do. Mm. Um, then, to the right of that, then you have your saucy people. Mm. These people... Yeah. That one calls to me. <laughs> that one, <laughs> I haven't heard of them all. I think... Well, I think we'll, we'll go name each other's okay. S's after. Right. Um, so your saucy people are the people who have confidence. They have swag when they walk in their room. They're like... You know, they don't mind if they're in the middle of the room. Um, and they know that they have swag. They know that they got swag and they have that, you know, that's a piece of the confidence that they have. Um, and they're just doing their thing. Now, the spicy people, this is the far right end of the spectrum. These are people who are saucy. They have all that confidence and they know they have that confidence and they like to take that the next step. Mm. So they'll look for people, they'll have conversations, they'll find the buttons to press in people. Mm. Um, I, I like to imagine kind of the line and you have, you know, the salty people, the sweet people, and the saucy people to maybe the left side of the line. You also have the spicy people who are on the left side of the line, but they're willing to kind of dip their toes over on the forbidden side of the line. And right. they'll go and press the buttons, um, kind of mix things up, if you will. And I always say this about someone acting, being spicy is that they know they're doing things and saying things to kind of kind of tick you off, but mm-hmm. you kind of like that they're doing that. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like fl- it. it's flirtatious, you know. They're, yeah. okay. they're not just like straight up being a dick, but is it it's, trolling? Uh, no, no, I, because I feel like that's kind of demeaning. But it's mm-hmm. just like it's like being flirty, you know, just kind of yeah. like <laughs> yeah, pressing the buttons a little bit, but in in the, like a nicer in, like flirtatious way. That's way. like you know, it yeah. hurts a little bit, but you like it. Whoa, <laughs> it's like gotta, spicy food, yeah. Like it's spicy, spicy food, mm. like. Spicy sauce hurts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you, but, but you put it on your food anyways. Wow, I like that. You like that? I like this framework. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. And to David's point earlier, being spicy is really contextual and really dependent on, upon your environment. There are days where I feel like I'm a salty dude. I'm just a stick yeah. in the mud. I've had a long day at work. I don't want, you know, nothing in the world will make me happy. Um, and then there are days where I'm feeling spicy and mm-hmm. I just like could go conquer the world and just. <laughs> You know, things are coming off the tip of my tongue. I can spit it back. You know, it's like, it's very much dependent on kind of what's going around. Yeah. 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 And I think the last point we, well, I don't know. What was the kind of horseshoe thing that we came up with? Yeah. So if you think about a traditional spectrum, right, the left is the furthest from the right. But if you take your line and you curve it up and you create a horseshoe Mm -hmm. shape, the far left becomes closer to the far right than it does to the middle. So spicy is a little, little like salty. Yeah, so, so like if you get salty. too spicy, like you could go full circle. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, so, so potentially it could be circular even. Yeah, you know, like, like yeah, the four, yeah, the four S's of the circular S. Or, like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It could be a single goal thing. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I I know we. I kept, I think we. Well, I guess it's hard to really kind of name a person's s's um, if you're not in the right context. Um, but yeah. 
Kurt, I definitely feel like you are in the sauce. You're, you're a hard sauce. <laughs> um, I think you're mm. strong sauce. Um, and I just, I don't see you too much getting over to the spice where you're like yeah. pressing buttons just to do it. I'm too much of a people pleaser, I think. I don't <laughs> I, like to offend people. I, I, I agree. And, yeah. but you're so confident because you walk in a room, like you can be on the piano, the center of attention and you will want that and do <laughs> it very yeah. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't see you going over and just like, you know, kind of sticking the thorn in somebody's side <laughs> right. just, just for a part of it. See through kicking. I see you as a little bit of a spicy guy. <laughs> Dude, I can, I can get a little spice in my life. Yeah. Yeah, now, I then. like it. Yeah. Sometimes known as extra. A little extra. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Extra. extra would be a decent synonym. Extra. Spice. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> extra yeah. and spicy. I often like talking to people who are spicy, yeah. especially when I'm in that mood, too. Cause it's... Dude. And if you're going to flirt with someone, you flirt with spicy girl. Yeah. Mm. Flirt with a spicy chick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm 100% are there certain that. personalities that attract? Like, a, does, do a spicy guy and a sweet girl often go together? Dude, or, that's a great thought question. About these? Like, pair, what pairings are good? Yeah. I don't know. My, my first reaction is the sauce and the spice, they're a little more similar. Okay. Um, but no one likes anyone salty. Yeah, I don't think anyone... Yeah. Well, dude, I think some people do like like spicy or salty people because it's like... But only if you're salty yeah. yourself. I see a lot of salty guys with sweet girls. That's the thing is because I think... Really? I, I don't know. I might, I might be getting this totally wrong, but I feel like maybe some girls think like, "Oh, this guy's like upset." But if you were with me, <laughs> you I can make him. Be. Uh, I can make him unsalty. I can make him. I don't know. Salty. I just like because, dude, I've seen salty dudes with like really sweet girls, and mm. like, I don't know. Maybe they're in a bad mood or something. But it's sure. like, dude, what are you doing, girl? With that guy, right? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I just. I think there's a little bit of a clash between the spice and the salt, though. Um, spicy folks and salty folks, sure. perhaps, in there. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, okay, so this is going to be a tough question to answer because, so like I said before, like the four S's is a very contextual thing, but this woman you were writing to over a year of time and you <laughs> didn't see her once, like, if you had to say, like, what was her style, man? What was her S? Like, mm. it, it's a really tough question. I, I realize that. Yeah. What do you she, think? She's not saucy because she's not as much. She doesn't like to be the center of attention as much. Okay. Yeah. Um, but she's not just like a typical sweet sorority girl or anything. So, yeah. I, ah, man. I'd put her as a mix of, uh, but she has an edge to her, which is nice. Yeah. So throw it at maybe a little So spice. maybe an edge of salt and spice. Together okay. almost salt and spice. So yeah. she's in that. She's bridging that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That end of the horseshoe. And I think when you mix the salt and spice, it's not. It's maybe an artsy type. That's where the Ooh, artsy yeah, types yeah. lie yeah. between salt and spice. Ooh. The kind of pensive artsy folks. Yeah, yeah. Things, yeah. Wow. Dude, and That's I always say this about insight. the salty people because sometimes they don't get. Well, most of the time they usually don't get love. They always get a bad rap. Yeah. But it's like, dude, at the end of the day, bro, those they're are the real. ones. Yeah, those are the ones who are like making it in life because they're. Literal, like they're actually realistic, you know. Yeah. So like, you need to have the grounding a little bit sometimes. Right. Yeah. Because saltiness does not always imply like being cynical. Like you don't have to be cynical. Yeah. Salty. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it definitely is. You know, salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not, not a bad thing. Better trademark yeah. this before the, your <laughs> listeners. Yeah, I know. It is. It is trademark. So everyone right. watch out. Yeah. yeah. It's um, pretty pretty positive. But yeah, yeah, spread the word about the four S's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We'll get that trend in with, with the people. With the people, yeah. 
Um, is there anything else we wanted to talk about? We could, um, how, how much time do we have? We have been going for an hour and five. Okay. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about? Kurt? Yeah, so Kurt, did you have any, like, last thought or comment that maybe you'd like to share or... Um, Can I share a pill? Yes. 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 Good. Dude. Indulge my artsy moment for a second. (laughs) Let's go. Let me, I'll recite this poem and then I'll try to weave it back into a lot of what we talked about with um, being, you know, career, you know, career oriented in this urban jungle and, but also trying to have a soul and have feelings. (laughs) So this this is a poem by E. E. Cummings called Since Feeling is First. Since feeling is first, who pays any attention to the syntax of things will never wholly kiss you holy to be a fool while spring is in the world. My blood approves, and kisses are a better fate than wisdom. Lady, I swear by all flowers, don't cry. The best gesture of my brain is less than your eyelids flutter, which says we are for each other. Then laugh, lean back in my arms, for life's not a paragraph, and death, I think, is no parenthesis. Wow. Beautiful. I, I love the line kisses are a better fate than wisdom kisses are a better fate than wisdom because it makes you think a lot about how mm-hmm. a lot of people our age will risk it all for wisdom or, or success or things like that yeah. they'll move across country for a cool job but who do we know that will move across country for, for love or for the chance at love potentially so the poem I like is because it reminds us that for all the, the beauty of rationality and of and of climbing the ladder and success that we all want, feeling is very important, and mm-hmm. that's, there's a side of us that we need to let breathe and let flourish. That's what I get from that poem. Yeah. So I like it. Dude, what I really think? like that. I like it a lot. I'd like to um, have it in front of me and read it yeah. so I could really dig into it, but I'm reading an um, autobiography right now by a Catholic monk named Bede Griffiths, and um, I'm reading about his early time at life. He's a student at Oxford at this point. Um, but he's talking about how like just this energy and that is given off by being in nature for him and the sensations of life to him those things are truer and more beautiful than the tangible than the mechanical than you know all that comes out of the industrial revolution and this pursuit of money and wealth and power um and it's just really impactful for me personally too because like I've always been a very pragmatic person mm-hmm. but I'm especially this summer for me I had this realization it's like dude maybe the it's almost like and this sounds paradoxical but like it's almost as if the intangible is more important than the tangible mm-hmm. you know or more like there's more depth there um, and I'm quite not quite have the language for it and I don't think I ever will but I think this poem kind of hints at that. I really like the line about what's the, the brain as opposed to um, yeah the, the knowledge. The best gesture the of my best brain, brain is less than your eyelids flutter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is yeah, kind of same same point to you. My so what is it my the best gesture in my brain yeah is worth more than the the um, 
flutter of your eyelids. Yeah, all the, you know, yeah. think about it, all the money and success in the world, and yet people feel empty often if they don't have love. In the world. Dude, and Dude. you see that so much here. It's Dude, really it's, well, and it's crazy to me that human beings have been doing this, pursuing this for millennia, and we... No one's ever, like, made it so much money that they say, oh, like, yeah, I made it. <laughs> and we King Solomon wrote about this in this E-class, uh, Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, what, like, 4,000 years ago written or something like <laughs> that? Yeah. And, like, people are still trying to pursue <laughs> that now. And, like, dude, I love Post Malone, man. And he's writing these songs, and it's, like, that same sense of longing. I, like, I feel it in Ecclesiastes. And I'm just like, dude, this is insane. <laughs> Shout out yeah. to our boy Posty. Yeah, we love you. I've yeah, never heard Solomon, King Solomon and Post Malone referred <laughs> to in the same sense. Yeah, but so dude, I'm telling you, man. Great connection. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, dude, if they both did it and pursued it and it wasn't like super satisfying, like who's to say that if I pursue those things, it will be satisfying for me? Like, I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be no. It's funny, the, yeah. definition, the definition of insanity, right, is to perform the same operation, the same cycle over and over again, <laughs> yeah. expecting different results. Yeah. When you look at the history of humanity, and to your point, it's like we've been pursuing these, like, we're on a societal level, it's like we're always pursuing, you know, money, fame, wealth, or, you know. Well, no, those are all goals we pursue as individuals, and the thing is, like, like that can't be a systemic pursuit that can't be a national pursuit I think this is like a journey everyone has to take as an individual yeah but it's still you know that people generations can't learn that you know we're chasing the same thing and look there's not yeah. a different outcome of success and or real fulfillment and happiness yes you may be successful in the eyes world because you know you you have the most output of something that is quantifiable and there's a metric that you can measure it and so like oh I made a million dollars and so I've measured success that way but you know to say that people have become fulfilled over that everybody knows or it's never heard of somebody who said like or I don't want to say never has done that but like there are just so many people who've made, been very successful in the eyes of the world and still end up really mm -hmm. unfulfilled and it's interesting how we still keep pursuing that. <laughs> and the other trap is, though, is to to feel like love is all you need, right? That's what me, the yeah, media so sells you, us, you is, is that, you know, oh, yeah. just find love. That's the sort of bohemian romantic idea is that, you know, sacrifice everything for love. And that's not going to lead you to a fulfilled life at all either. Yeah, that's no, so totally, <laughs> totally a balance. Um, but there, I think I was talking to you about this, Peter. I want to touch on this because I think it's very important is that there's a lot of psych uh, psychology, psychological research showing that um, fulfillment of, of goals does not bring satisfaction, mm -hmm. but the pursuit of goals yeah. does. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. basically the lesson is that we need to pursue noble goals that we perhaps cannot fulfill. So I remember I, I met a Uber driver in Santiago, Chile, and he had a picture of the Dalai Lama up. And I asked him, I was like, are you Buddhist? Are you a Buddhist? And I expected him to say, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. And he said, I try to be. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. I try to be. And right. that, that idea of let's find, and I think that's one of the big arguments for choosing a, a religion or a set of values is yeah. that wow. it's something you can't attain, Yeah, but it can, or, or maybe your value is I want to make a community beautiful. Yeah. And that's something you can't attain. That's always more to be done. But that noble goal that you can continue to try to pursue will bring you fulfillment. Mm. So I listened to a podcast of a church out on the West Coast and what they kind of say is, you know, we're followers of the way of Jesus. And maybe in a similar way as this man who 
desires to be a Buddhist. Mm -hmm. Like, these people, they see this striving to be like Jesus. And I'm sure they'd call themselves Christians, too, but, like, it's not. But there's just, there's that sense of pursuit in that term, right? Followers of the way of Jesus. Right. Um... Wow, that seems to be a much better life than pursuing money or love or anything is to say, oh, I'm going to wake up every day and try to be grateful. I'm going to yeah. try to forgive others their trespasses. I'm going to mm-hmm. try to, uh, you know, treat others in a way I don't want to be treated. And you do that every day over and over. Yeah. That seems to be a better path than just I'm going to pursue fame today or I'm going to pursue love or money. Right, right. Yeah. Wow, very cool. And it's just so interesting how that it's, there's like this you know, kind of fake veneer around those things where we think that, you know, fame and fortune are going to lead to a life of fulfillment, but it's just this, you know, or this thin veneer that's beneath the surface is completely hollow, and it's, we're still tricked by it over and over again, and it's like, and I think it's totally a cycle, because, I don't know, at least for me, I feel like I go through periods where you know, I'll be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm not chasing the money or the fame or this or that. And then I'll, like, get pulled into this, like, cycle where, like, the, and then, you know, a couple months later I'll realize, like, man, my only driver has been those things. Mm. And then I'll get sucked back out and, like, you know, come back to, like, realizing what is going to be more fulfilling in my life, like you said. like What sparks yeah. that change? I think it's getting sucked down into thinking that I'm going to be fulfilled by, like, money and fame and fortune, and then, you know, I'll attain part of that to a degree, and not, like, you know, I'm a millionaire or anything, but I'll realize that it's just not... I, I remember so vividly um, when I got my first significant raise at work, mm-hmm. uh, monetary raise, I, for an instant, was like, man, this is great, like, this... And it was, you know, a more significant change than I thought, kind of out of the blue, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. And I was... On my way going to the Hamptons, taking a train, and I was walking over to Penn, Penn Station, and I was like, dude, I did not feel any happier. Like, wow. how is this going to change my life mm-hmm. materially? Yeah. Like, yes, I can, I don't know, buy nicer jeans and buy more beers. Like, <laughs> like, but that's not materially altering my life, you know, and, and how I feel. And I was just like, wow, that you know, instant gratification of like, wow, this is great. I'm making, you know, significantly more money. It was just, like, was dead in five minutes. Oof, yeah. And I was like, what? And, and not to say that I'm, you know, don't want to do well for so myself. So then you sent it back. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't need your babies. Take it back. <laughs> I don't want this. Yeah, yeah. But that was, like, a huge wake-up call for me. Sure. And it's, like, you know, and not to say that I don't want to keep progressing in my career and making more money and all those things. Yeah. But I was just like, you know what? It's really not as fulfilling as I would have thought, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I, it's just for me at least because I'm pretty dumb. It just like takes me a while, or I, I'll hit these steps where like I'll get sucked back into feeling like that's gonna provide fulfillment, and then I have to kind of come to my senses and realize that yeah. it's yeah. that's Brain just is a plastic. human condition, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people have been I, experiencing that forever and yeah. will forever. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, and you know, it's just a it's a constant. It's a constant cycle and a constant battle. And to your point, you know, it's not like we go through life and then we we hit the plateau or we hit the end goal and then we just cruise from there and just kind of, you know, stay content with the rest of our lives. It is a constant battle 
and I don't want to say battle because that makes sense like you know me versus the world or whatever yeah, it's, but it is a constant it's it's con or it's constantly being conscious mm-hmm. throughout every step of every every period of life that hey I need to be really aware of my surroundings and what's driving me and what you know what I'm living for because that's super super important um one analogy I've, that I've tried to use to think about this is like imagine your like life is like a, uh, ocean kind of that's just rocking back and forth and like being having the ability to be become a bird and just sort of like fly up over the ocean and look and down at it, it. Yeah. and to say and to look at the good and the bad like oh this part of the ocean is really calm this part of the ocean is really yeah. rocky and so like you were saying like, look down at your life and say like oh this part's good like I've got this good job I'm living with my brother and like we're enjoying time together or this part's not great like I'm feeling lonely a lot and I'm feeling unfulfilled at work and my love life's a wreck. But just <laughs> that ability to become that bird and, and like come up and you know, kind of yeah. fly over those waves, a lot of people don't do. They get too wrapped up in whatever wave yeah. is coming. Oh, wow. That's so cool. that's something I thought about a lot this year when I was in, Baj- in Baje. I, was, I felt very alone a lot of the year. I was in a strange country, yeah. didn't know anyone. Um, but then I felt so blessed that I had this time to be idle and yeah. to enjoy things. So that analogy of the bird and looking down yeah. really helped me think, okay, I want to continue being this bird and think and regularly looking up at my life mm-hmm. and looking down on life and seeing the areas that are good and the areas that are bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. really helped me. And I my analogy that I imagine is a little different is a roller coaster. Yeah. But I'll just like, you know, go through a low period and be like, you know what, I'm on a downhill right now. And you're looking just, down at the roller coaster. Yeah. You're well, detached from it for a moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you know, to be a bird and looking at these people riding a roller coaster, yeah. you know, it's like well, I guess maybe it's the inverse because it's supposed to be fun going down. <laughs> yeah, like, oh crap! So maybe a little we're a little inverted, but anyway, sure. we get we get the the metaphor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's totally been really helpful for me to stay content in the moment, is to say, hey, you know what? I'm on a downhill, or what do you want to think? An uphill. Like mm-hmm. I'm in a low point right now, and I just gotta ride this thing out until I get back on a high. And it can be a, a big thing or just a moment. Like maybe you're yeah. in a lo- maybe you're in a really long line at work, and you know you're waiting to get to the you know the, the lunch buffet, and and Frida from accounting is taking forever to put her salary <laughs> yeah, on, on the plate, and and you can just zoom up in that moment and say it's you know it's gonna be okay. <laughs> just a Peter, couple minutes. Make it. Yeah. Didn't uh, David Foster Wallace write about that? He did. Consider yeah. Consider the lobster. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, or this is water. This is water. This I is water. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what is what is his? Um, You'll yeah, have to listen to it on YouTube, but it's a commencement speech he gives, right? It is, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna try to paraphrase. But it's just like this concept that, like, dude, everyone's got a struggle going on at every moment of life, and like, let's try to transcend from that and remember and and remember that everyone is like fighting a battle, and you know, be supportive of each other as they do that rather than trying to like berate and be upset at them for those things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean do you yeah, have anything David, I was trying to pass yeah. this idea off as my own what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> not gonna get away with it I was trying to pretend no, that I had thought you're of not that. gonna get away no, with it exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and I don't know if it's even his idea it's throughout history yeah so yeah I mean religious thinkers who talk about that you know right get rid right. of the solipsism of thinking yeah. you are the center of the universe right exactly <laughs> but he plays it out much more eloquently than, than right. I or most yeah yeah yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, guys, I think this has been a great session. Yeah. It's been awesome. Yeah, we've had a lot of great insight. Yeah, we've had an expansive um, 
conversation. Variety, variety of conversations. From seeing the world, love, yeah. personal fulfillment, yeah. the meaning and purpose to of poetry. life. Poetry. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Everything after the four S's. I think after, um, you know, who are the twins from um, the, mo- the movie uh, The Two Girls Who Traded Places? Mary Kate and Ashley. Ashley. Yeah, they're yeah. twins, right? Yeah. yeah. I think after them, you're my favorite twins. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, you the second most favorite twins. <laughs> we'll get them on the show next time. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have to yeah. chat, chat with them. Yeah. Mary Kate yeah. and Ashley. Yeah, is there kind of to land the plane, if you will, and kind of okay. wrap things up? What has been the most thought-provoking kind of topic that we've touched on today or maybe something that you want to take forward as a charge for yourself? And it's a question for David and for Curtin for myself as well. Mm. Um, but, you know, or, you know, maybe even just what are you going to chew on next couple days or from what we've discussed here? Yeah, so for me... Uh, I really like the poem, so I'm going to noodle on that some more, but also I really like this image of um, transcending your context to kind of examine, you know, like, hey, even though I am in a rough patch or maybe I'm in a great patch of life, like, I can be beyond that, beyond that and I can know that, you know, that my context is going to change. I think that has a potential to be very empowering. And I think I try to do that a little bit but just like maybe thinking about it in the terms of that image may give it some more more efficacy yeah yeah I'm gonna noodle on the four S's guys <laughs> the nice. four S's I, I nice. liked it because I yeah I think there's a maybe there's a side of, there's a little bit of salty and spicy and saucy and sweet in all of us yeah and maybe we should let that side the out that's not there as much like for me I know I'm a people pleaser so yeah. I'm afraid to engage my salty side sometimes <laughs> or my spicy yeah. side. And yeah. maybe I'm going to try to be conscious Dude, of it. Yeah, Let yeah, it rage yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit. So, yeah, thanks Dude, for introducing me to that. If you're not in love in 36 questions, <laughs> this 37th will do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Just introduce her to the forest. Yeah. The forest. Then, yeah. 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 Uh, it can all, all come together. For me, I think, David, what you said about the intangible versus the tangible and what is more real and that's you know you could go way down the rabbit hole with something like that but to deny that humanity that we're not an emotional creature is just such a lie and you know I think that's something that people really try to overlook and say hey we're rational logical beings and we can make rational decisions that's just not true Um, and so I've really been kind of like trying to think is like why do we put so I mean why do we put so much emphasis on what we can objectively measure and quantify and I think some more thought should be put on and even on a societal level like what about the unquantifiable and the things that we can't measure like art and beauty and feeling you know those are still extremely important if not more important especially something like emotion that's arguably more important than you know how much money somebody makes mm-hmm. um, and so kind of to noodle around that and maybe for me is to bring that up in conversation with people and have them kind of think about it because it's so easy to get fixated on I mean this is like just a really easy example and everyone's thinking about it, but it's like money how much money you make and they think more money equals more success more happiness they think those are all that's a direct relationship but 
I'm unemployed right now, and I'm not not making any money, and I'm very happy. <laughs> how happy are you? So <laughs> how happy are you? You know, been an outlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the the one guy. Um, so and that's the thing. That's kind of like the false narrative that we hear and we think. And so to noodle on that and maybe bring that up more in conversation. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Kurt, thank you so much for being with us. Thank this has been guys. a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, everyone, thanks for staying with us for this hour and we really appreciate uh any feedback you'd want to give give us um can't wait to uh get something else out for you guys in the future best thanks very much much love much love